let's dive into our message today. Last week, we saw that if we are followers of Jesus, that we are called to, to give and we are called to pray and we are called to fast. But we also saw that we can do all of those things. We can give and pray and fast with wrong or evil motives. And so we must constantly check our hearts. We must constantly check our motives. And if we want to check our hearts, if we want to check our motives, we need to ask the question, who is getting the recognition for this? Is it us or is it God? And we, and we said that we need to examine ourselves. That's right, Kevin, it's God. Um, we said we need to examine ourselves with honesty and confessing our sins to God. And then we said we also need to confess our sins to each other so that we can be held accountable. We are in the midst of our series going through the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus has been teaching us what it means, and he's been showing us what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven, to live under God's authority, to live on earth as it is in heaven. He's been showing us what it means to be salt and light. Today, we're going to ask three questions, and really, these three questions get to the very same conclusion, and those three questions are this. Where is your treasure stored? Who do you serve? And what are you running after? Where is your treasure stored? Who do you serve? And what are you running after? Today, Jesus is going to show us that where our treasure is, who we serve, and what we are running after will show either through our worry or will show through our trust. And we're going to see that the remedy to worry is prayer. Because prayer, God uses to change and to transform us from putting our trust in ourselves, in our circumstances, to put our trust in God. And the result is peace that passes or transcends understanding. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6, verse 19 to begin with. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you're looking for it, it's kind of closer to the back than it is to the front. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We'd love for you to take one as a gift from us. Matthew is the first of four books that open up the New Testament, but we call them Gospels. And that word Gospel means good news because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us the good news about Jesus, tell us about his birth about his life, about his teachings, his miracles. They tell us about his death and about his resurrection. They tell us the good news about Jesus. So let's dive in to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start there in verse 19. This is in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks, right? Um, Jesus just sat down on the side of the mountain, began to teach. And so this is what he says in the middle here. He says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then skip down to verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God 
and money. So Jesus begins to address the question of what is important to you. What's most important to you? And he tells us not to store up our treasures, not to store up the things that are important to us on earth, but to store them up in heaven. Because he reminds us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be as well. And so Jesus wants us to make sure that our treasure is being stored in things that will last, not things that will be destroyed. Now, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that if, if we want to see what is really important to you, there are a couple places that we can look. D- does, despite what our mouths may say is important to us, I believe that if we look at our calendars and we look at our bank accounts, we can really examine and see what is really important to us, despite what we may say. Right? I believe that we can look at where we spend our time and where we spend our money, and it will show us where our treasure is stored. It will show us who we serve, and it will show us what we are running after. They will show us what's really important to us, because the things that matter to us, the things that are important to us, are going to be the things that we spend our time and our money on. If it's not important to you, you won't spend your money on it. If it's not important to you, you're not going to spend your time on it. If your treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And your time and your money show what's important to you, what matters to you. It's where your treasure is. It's who you serve. It's what you're running after. And those things will consume your time and your money. So friends, let me ask you this morning, what do your calendars reveal and show about your heart? What do your calendars show about where your trust is put? Where are you spending your time? Are are you spending your time with other people simply so that you can get ahead or so that you can gain something from them? Or are you spending time with other people to build relationships with them to point them to Jesus? How are you using your talents? Are you using them to serve God's kingdom or the kingdom of self? Are you seeking to use your gifts that you have been given to build up God's kingdom or to build simply up yourself. Friends, what do your bank accounts say about what's important to you? What do they say about where your heart is, where your trust is? Last week we saw that we are not our own, that we are simply the managers of who we are and everything that we have. We said that all that we are and all that we have is God's, and we have been entrusted with our time and our talents and our treasures to use to please the owner of those things. And the owner is not us. It is God. God is the owner, and we are the managers. So are you using what God has entrusted you with, your time and your talents and your treasure, to please God or to please yourself? We get to choose who we are going to serve. We get to choose 
what we are going to put our trust in, where our treasure is going to be. We get to choose what we are going to run after. But let me tell you, friends, you can't run after more than one thing. You can't serve more than one master. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Where your treasure is, who you serve, and what you run after. Is it titles? Is it, man, if I, if I just became manager? Is, if I got this, this another title or this other degree? Is it success? Man, if I was able only to achieve this thing? Is it stuff? Man, if I could just buy this other thing? Are you running after uh, relationships with other people? Man, if I, just, if I was just dating that one person, man, then my life would be complete. Is it money? If I, if I could just fill my bank account. You could really fill in the blank with your master, the things that you serve. Or are you serving God? Your devotion to your master is going to show not only in your calendar, but in your bank account, and is going to show in either your worry or your trust. Look at what Jesus says in the next verse, in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink, or about your body or about what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can anyone, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Friends, one of the ways that we can see where our treasure is stored, one of the ways that we can see who we serve and what we are running after is besides looking at our calendars and our bank account is to look at whether we are worried or whether we are trusting in God. Are we worried about tomorrow? Are we only concerned about the here and now, about the physical, about what we will eat and drink and wear? Because our worry reveals who we serve. Our worry reveals where our treasure is stored. Our, our worry reveals what we are running after. Do we worry or do we trust? They're opposites. Do we worry or do we trust? Jesus asked, who can add a single hour to your life? By worrying? And the answer is no one. In fact, worrying actually can probably do more damage to take away hours from our life than they can add to that. Worry often leads us uh, to become even physically ill. 
Some think that worry helps us to solve problems, but the reality is what research shows us is that worry can actually impair us from problem solving. Some may think that worry can motivate them to find a solution to the thing that they're facing, but oftentimes worry, worry prevents us from taking the action that is needed. Worry and anxiety can become so powerful that they cause us to shut down emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and relationally. And and friends, I know that there are those of us here this morning that worry and anxiety are realities that you face every single day. And so before we dive into some of scripture, some steps that we can take to ward off worry, I I feel that it's important for me to say this. I I want you to hear me loud and clear. Friends, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. God has equipped men and women. He has gifted them and equipped them to help us in times when we need help. And we call those men and women counselors and therapists. And and I want you to hear me this morning that you have not failed if you need to call and talk with someone. Your faith is not lacking if you need help. If your worry and your anxiety and your self-image is so overwhelming, uh, take the courage to say that I need help and reach out and ask for help. There's a list of counselors that I want to put up here. And we'll leave that up here for a little bit. And we'll have it at the very end of the message as well. And then I'll post it on social media as well. You can take a screenshot of this. You can see it later. But here are some counselors that we would like to point you to if you need some additional help. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. So get some help. Seek some help. John Maxwell says this. Consider the following. 40% of our worries never happen. Anxiety is a result of a tired mind. 30% of our worries are over concerns, over past decisions that we can't change anyway. 12% of our worries center on criticism from others that are meant to make us feel inferior. And 10% of our worries come about our health, which only worsens many of those health concerns. And 8% of our worries are legitimate, showing that there is life, there is problems in life that we need to meet head on, and we can only do that when we eliminate the senseless worry of the other things. Friends, worry often comes because we are so self-focused. We are focused on our past mistakes or worried about the mistakes that we will make in the future. We are so worried about what others will or have said to us or will say to us or have done to us. Oftentimes our worry is about the circumstances that we are currently in or that we grew up in or that we fear may be ahead of us. So often our worry is, comes because we're focused on the physical here and now and focused on self. And Jesus wants us to help move us from having a self-focus to having a God focus and to focus on his 
kingdom. Look at verse 33. Look at what Jesus tells us next. But seek first his kingdom, talking about God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So Jesus tells us to seek first God's kingdom, to seek first the kingdom of heaven, and to put our trust in God. Worry is self-focused, and Jesus calls us to become God-focused. Now here at Journey Church, we, we put it this way. We say that we want to live lives that are pleasing to God. And that means that every day we are giving God the best of everything that we are and everything that we have. And we trust, we trust that Jesus is all that we need and being transformed by who he is and what he's done. We trust that Jesus is all that we need. We move our trust from self from our circumstances, from our situations. We move our trust from relying on other people. We move our trust from all these other things, titles, success, money, whatever else that we try to put our trust in. And we move our trust to Jesus. And he begins to transform our trust even further. He moves us from trusting ourselves to trust in God. He moves us from trusting in the physical to trusting in him. Last week, we talked about both fasting and prayer. And there's no mistake that Jesus goes right from talking about fasting and prayer right into worry. Because fasting has a wonderful way of revealing what we are putting our trust in. And worry comes from us putting our trust in the wrong things. Fasting very quickly reveals that. Fasting helps us to see who we serve. Fasting helps us to see where our treasure is put. Fasting helps us to see what we are running after and who is controlling us and what is controlling us. But God-centered, God-ordained fasting will reveal very quickly who we are putting our trust in. Worry often comes because we are self-focused And fasting can quickly reveal this. And so then prayer begins to become a remedy for worry. Because prayer helps us to move our trust from self and starts to put our trust in God. And the result is peace. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, and he says this. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your uh, gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Let that sink in for just a minute. (laughs) Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So Paul tells us here to rejoice sometimes. No, that's not what he said, is it? He said, rejoice when things are going right in your life. No, that's not what he said either, is it? He says, rejoice when the sun is out and it's not raining. No, that's not what he says either. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. 
no exceptions, no but or ifs. Rejoice in the Lord always. Notice that Paul doesn't say here to rejoice in your circumstances or your feelings or your titles or your relationships with other people or your money. He says rejoice in the Lord always. You see, all of those other things, your circumstances, your situation, your titles, your money, your stuff, your things, the things that you put your trust in, the things that you want to rejoice over, all of those things are ever-changing and will most of the time always fail you. But the Lord will never forsake you. His word is always true. His promises are always faithful. Rejoice always in the Lord. God is God and we are not. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But Paul, wait a minute. What about my family situation that's going on? You don't understand what's going on in my relationships with my spouses or my kids or my in-laws or my cousins. You don't understand. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But Paul, what about my job? Man, you don't understand how stressful and how overwhelming my boss is, my coworkers are, my workload is. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But Paul, what about my money? I, I don't even know how I'm going to put food on our table. Do not be anxious about anything. What about that call that I'm waiting to get back from the doctor and the diagnosis that I'm waiting to hear? Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. So how in the world can we rejoice always in the Lord? And how can in the world can we not be anxious about anything? What does Paul tell us? He says in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Friends, I don't know if you're like me at all, but unfortunately, far too often, I have a tendency to only come to God in prayer when I've tried everything else. Like, like it's the, the last resort, and like I've tried to do everything on my own and try to fix all these things myself, and, and, and so none of that stuff's worked, and so finally I say, okay, God, uh, will you work in this situation that I've completely messed up? Is that just me? <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> just me I guess prayer should not only be our first response in difficulty and worry but it also should become such a normal part of our daily rhythm our everyday lives that we carry everything to God everything to God in prayer now, now Jesus tells us here in Matthew 6 that God already knows everything that we need before we ask. So why in the world do we have to ask God then in prayer for those things? And I love what Richard Foster says in his book, Celebration of Discipline. I referenced that last week as we talked about fasting, but he says this about prayer. He says, to pray is to change. It's not us changing God. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. And if we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic in our lives. 
Friends, when I'm talking with people who are struggling and hurting and suffering and going through hardships, I usually ask them uh, two questions. I say, are you reading God's word daily? And are you daily praying? And I know like that sounds like really simple and like we are really sophisticated and we want to have a really complicated answer to fix things. But the research shows us that if we will engage in scripture four times, at least four times a week, our loneliness drops. Our struggle with pornography drops. Our worry drops. Our willingness to share our faith increases. Our, our ability to memorize scripture increases if we will simply engage in scripture four times, at least four times a week. If we will make prayer a daily rhythm of our life, and we are daily taking everything to God in prayer. We are presenting our requests to God with prayers and petition and thanksgiving. Taking everything to him. God uses prayer not to change our circumstances, not to change his mind. It's not like he's our, our magic genie that we get to ask him for our wishes. But God uses prayer to transform us. And our mindsets and our views. So in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God so that God can transform you. Friends, if we are taking every little, every everyday thing to God in prayer, and prayer has become this part of our everyday rhythm of life, then when we face hardships and suffering and worry and anxiety, we're going to also carry that to God in prayer. We're going to carry him the hard things as well. Friends, if you're sick and you go to the doctor and the doctor writes you a prescription and uh, you say, thanks, doc, and then you never go get it filled and you don't take it, is that prescription done you any good? You can ask Emily, right? If you, uh, if you get a prescription filled and never pick it up and don't take it, is that done any good? No, it's useless, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. In every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and then look what God will do in and to and for us. Paul tells us in verse 7, Philippians 4, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Worry comes from us being self-focused and fasting can reveal very quickly that. And then prayer then becomes the remedy for worry because prayer helps us to change our trust from self to God. And the results here are peace. Now, does Paul tell us that God will change our circumstances through prayer? No. Does Paul tell us that we will have health and wealth and prosperity in our best life now? No. He doesn't. But if we will rejoice in the Lord always, and if in every situation we will take it to God in prayer, God promises us peace. 
peace that transcends all understanding, peace that doesn't make any sense, peace even in the midst of the storm that we are going through, peace even with our situations and our circumstances don't change, peace that God would use to guard our hearts and our minds, peace even when everything is at war around us, peace when life is crazy and crashing on top of us, peace even when there's not an end in sight. God's peace will guard our hearts and our minds and it won't make any sense to us or to people around us. We should be anxious, we should be worrying, we should be sorrowful, we should be fighting, we should be falling down, but the peace of God is guarding our hearts and our minds and and is giving us strength. We will live in a way that goes against reason. We will live in a way that stands firm even when everything else around us is falling apart. We will live in a way that is at peace even when everyone else is fighting. We will live in a life that is rejoicing in the Lord even when other people are telling us to curse him. Worry, free, peace. Because we're giving it all to him. Not only when we face worry do we need to take it to God in prayer, Because God promises us that when we rejoice in him always and when every situation we take it to him in prayer, that he'll give us peace. But God also has given us another resource. When we're facing hardships and troubles and worry, God has given us each other. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Friends, God has given us each other. I don't know I don't know what you are about to go through. I don't know what you are facing right now. I don't know what hardship, what worry, what trouble, what anxiety you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I know if you're like me, when I face hardships and worry and trouble and struggle, my first response is to close down. And to close off relationships with other people, I just want to go sit in my room, in my bed, and close the door and not talk to anybody. I don't know if you're like me or not. That's all I want to do. But what I need to do is not only take everything to God in prayer, but what I need to do is also pick up the phone and call a friend. Say, hey, let's go grab some tacos, some coffee. I'm not okay. I I need some help. And I know I may sound like a broken record because I say this all the time, but we need each other because we are better together. And when we are facing worry and trouble and sorrow and hardships and anxiety, we need each other. We need to fight the urge to want to be alone and we need to be around each other and say, I am not okay. Here at Journey Church, a great place to find some other brothers and sisters who we can call when things are difficult, is in life group. 
We have five life groups that are part of Journey Church, and there are some amazing life groups outside of Journey Church as well. You need other followers of Jesus to walk side by side with you, to help carry the burdens that you can't carry yourself. We say it like this, that we want to build strong relationships, walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer and accountability and encouragement. Worry often comes because we are self-focused. And fasting can reveal that very quickly and prayer then becomes the remedy to worry because prayer helps us to move our trust from self to God and peace is the result. And then God uses also our brothers and sisters, our friends who can walk side by side with us through that worry. Our brothers and sisters who can help carry our burdens when we can't carry them ourselves. Our brothers and sisters who can confront and call out sin in our life and hold us accountable and help restore us gently. So find some other followers of Jesus whom you can build relationship with. Whether that's in one of our life groups, whether that's some coworkers that you start gathering with, or whether that's some friends or life groups in some other places, find some other followers of Jesus because we need each other. You were not meant to walk through this life. You were not meant to walk through the suffering and the hardship that you are facing alone. We were meant to do this together and in community. So pick up the phone and say, I'm not okay. I I need some help. Friends, I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what you're facing, but rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Where is your treasure stored? Who do you serve? And what are you running after? Worry often comes from self-focus. Fasting can reveal that, and prayer then becomes a remedy to worry because prayer helps us to move our trust from self and our circumstances and put our trust in God And the result is peace. Friends, facing worry and anxiety is far from easy. And we aren't meant to do it alone. Join a life group. Find some other followers of Jesus whom you can call when things are tough. And then also, if you need more help, pick up the phone and call a counselor or therapist. God has gifted and equipped men and women who are able to help us face hardships and suffering and worry and anxiety. So have the courage to say, I'm not okay and I need help and call someone today. Friends, I don't know what you have been putting your trust in. I don't know what you've been running after I don't know who you have been serving. But if you have been putting your trust in yourself, in your own ability, let me tell you that you can't work hard enough 
to pay for the sins that you have done. You just can't. You will wear out. There's no way that you can pay back for what you have done. If you're putting your trust in others, they're going to fail you. Your spouses are going to fall short. Your parents, your kids, your neighbors, your friends, those other relationships, they're going to fail you. No amount of money will ever fill you. No title or status will ever satisfy what you are looking for. Friends, peace is only found in Jesus. And peace with God starts by you accepting Jesus, not only as your Savior, but as your Lord. Peace is made through Jesus. Come and put your trust not in yourself anymore, not your stuff, not in other people, but come and put your trust in Jesus today. Come and repent of your sins and come and meet him in baptism today. Come and find peace with God by joining with Jesus today. Come experience the peace that transcends all understanding. It's only found in Jesus Christ. We pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us a remedy to worry, not only through prayer, by taking everything to you, but Father, you have also given us each other that we can help carry each other's burdens. And Father, we also thank you that you have equipped men and women who are our counselors that can help us to talk through the things that we're going through. Father, I know that there are many who are hurting this morning. And Father, I praise you that, um, <laughs> that you have worked through me. Um, I made these feeble plans to preach through Matthew uh, many months ago, but you knew even then that right now we would need to hear your son's words about worry and about trust. Father, thank you for your word that is a light into our path. Help us to hide his words in our hearts so that we may not sin against you. And when we do sin against you, Father, forgive us. Father, for we know you are faithful and just and will cleanse and purify us. Father, we also thank you that you are near the brokenhearted and there are many of us who, whether we are brokenhearted ourselves, are close to someone who is. So, Father, would you show yourself to those people? Would you show them how much they are loved and cared for? Would you remind them of how valuable they are because they are yours? Father, would you... Help us as a church. It's not easy, but Father, help us to come alongside of, of each other. Life is messy and it's hard. It's difficult. Father, give us the strength and the wisdom. Uh, give us the words to say and give us uh, the, the control to not speak when we don't need to. Father, would you guide us as we strive to help carry each other's burdens so that we can fulfill the law of your son, Jesus. 
And Father, we thank you that even though you don't promise to change our circumstances or our situations or our struggles, but Father, we praise you that you promise to give us peace even in the midst of everything falling apart. So Father, help us to trust in your son Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time that we can study your word and that we can gather as your people and worship you. We thank you for this reminder that you have given us to partake in, that we can remember the sacrifice of your son Jesus through communion. Because it's his sacrifice that brings us peace with you. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, we ask all of this in his name. Amen.